statistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Hello and welcome back to another edition of the SNL Superfan Takeover Guys, I am so excited for tonight's topic uh, This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart and many of the people on the panel We have the OG Superfan Takeover crew here Which is always fun uh, to be back in the hosting chair to talk to these guys um, so for tonight's topic, um, as you can see by the title of the video, we are um, doing a deep dive on SNL in the 2010s. If you guys you know, have been longtime fans of the show, you know that you know, NBC will always put together every couple of years a, a primetime special highlighting you know, the best of the 70s, the best of the 80s, 90s and 2000s. But for, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we haven't gotten the best of the 2010s special you know, maybe it's another casualty of COVID. We don't know. But tonight we are going to remedy that and have our own super fan best of the 2010 special. Um, we're going to be talking about our favorite sketches, moments, cast members, hosts, um, and overall themes of, of this era of the show um, and kind of seeing how things have changed um, over the years. Um, so just to be clear to you guys, um, anything that is from January 2010 the December of 2019 is, is kosher for tonight's episode. So um, if you guys don't remember, that was the Charles Barkley, Alicia Keys uh, episode in January 2010. And then the Christmas show in 2019, the Eddie Murphy and Lizzo show, which is a really fun way to end it. All right. So now that I've gotten the topic out of the way, I want to introduce you guys to our panel. Uh, first, we have the great Bill Kenny. Bill, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, Sammy. Uh, this this is a very exciting and daunting topic. Uh, out of all the stuff we've done, this took the most out of me. Uh, there's so much to go through between 200 plus episodes of, of 10 years, uh, but it was a lot of fun and it was a lot of fun to look back on a lot of this. And I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, definitely a lot of homework. I don't know about you guys, but to me tonight or this episode kind of felt like, you know, you've gone to every class um in school but and then the final comes and you're you're cramming and it's like i've been to every class but i didn't necessarily take all the notes along the way um <laughs> but you know we're going to try to cover as much as we can tonight um up next uh i'm going to introduce you or reintroduce you guys to haskell haskell how are you tonight uh so excited tonight to have one eye on some nostalgia uh one eye on the celtics game but in all seriousness uh sammy much much like you th these are my years you know what i mean uh i started high school in 2009 so i spent most of my high school years in the 2010s and then college and young adulthood so uh these really are my years it was very nostalgic to go back and, and kind of watch this through um and kind of think about where i was in those years so very excited to kind of dive into it with you guys absolutely class of 2013 represent uh, and next we got uh, Andrew Haynes. Haynes, how you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. So excited to uh, to talk 2010s with you guys. But like you mentioned, uh, you know, people may not know how much work goes into some of these super fan episodes because, like, with the roundtables and stuff, you know, we we just get to talk about one episode. We very often find ourselves in places where we're, you know, just picking apart entire eras or or holidays or just like everything that goes into it so um that's the fun part of the job i love uh watching snl so uh that you know it's obviously it's obviously fun but um we'll have a lot to talk about uh that's for sure and and speaking of sacrifices i mean i think there's uh i think there's a celtics game on too and haskell's right here with us so 
We're dedicated yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, and to the people tuning in in the chat as well, you know, you you guys are dedicated. We're so happy that you guys are um, watching us live tonight. You know, we don't typically do these live. So, you know, if there's any sketches that we haven't talked about yet that you want to chime in to the chat, definitely do so. Um, and we'll try to get to those at the end. Um, but awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, let's get into tonight's topic, I suppose. So we're going to turn back the clocks here to January 2010. Um, what can I say about this time? You know, Obama is about to finish his first year in the Oval Office. You know, uh, TikTok by Kesha is the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100. And uh, Avatar is the, the number one movie uh, at the box office for another week in a row. So just, you know, you guys at home, picture where you were at that time. You know, we have uh, such a, a all-time great cast at this time with the likes of Will Forte, Bill Hader, you know, Seth Meyers on Update, Andy Samberg, Kristen Wiig. Uh, I'm not going to list everybody out because you guys know who this cast is. Um, and, you know, I am curious. I do want to ask the panel here, and we can kind of go around really quickly um, before we get into our actual lists. You know, what was your relationship with SNL um, like at the beginning of this era? You know, Bill, if you can, you know, quickly kind of talk about where you were in, in your relationship with the show. Yeah, I mean, th this is very vivid to me because uh, my daughter was about to be born. So I'm, I'm aware of all the stuff that was going on in the world, like the BP oil spill, uh, as you mentioned, Obama. Um, and this, this, we've mentioned this before, this was kind of the end of the third golden era of the show. And, uh, I loved every one of these cast members. So we, we were getting to see a lot of good stuff from, from the likes of Kristen and Bill and, and Jason and Will. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this was a real high point, uh, for season 35, 36, uh, those years were really, really great. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Haskell, you kind of alluded to, you know, this is you're in high school, you know, and a lot of people say Lauren even says, you know, people's favorite cast is when they're in high school. So, you know, do, do you feel the same? Yeah, these were these were my years. Like I said, I, I started watching the show uh, very young, but not really live each week. You know, when you're middle school, it's kind of tough to keep up that schedule. These are the years where it became kind of week in and week out for me and keeping track and, and kind of knowing ahead of time who was going to be hosting. And, you know, to all my friends throughout high school, all those uh, excuses I made to like skip parties on Saturday nights, um, those were in fact excuses. Uh, I was staying home and watching a lot of these SNL episodes. Uh, yeah, I can relate a little bit to that. I can kind of see um, while I was revisiting these episodes, like when I started high school and in my like, you know, lack of a social life was very prevalent. And I'm like, oh, I remember these episodes front to back versus like at the end of high school, you know, maybe less so. But uh, Haynes, uh, we'll finally end it off with you. Um, tell us a little bit about your, what, what memories do you think of when you kind of go back to this time? Well, <clears throat> I have kind of a little bit, almost the opposite experience, like of Haskell, you know, um, I really got into SNL when I was in like seventh grade in 1997. And I was just still really obsessed with it all the way through um, high school, which I graduated in 03 and then into college. And so, you know, I think back to 05 and 06 and kind of toward the end of like Tina Fey and stuff. And then, um, you know, over the course of my life, I've gone through phases where, you know, I'm there for SNL every week. And then just because of, you know, certain life obligations or commitments, you know, I haven't been watching it every week. So 
the time that that's a a break period, I don't want to call it a break. It's not like I stopped watching SNL, but you know, I bet I'd say about 10, 11, maybe into 12 was kind of one of my times when I was paying the least attention to SNL. Now I've seen all these episodes because I've been obsessed with SNL through my life and I always go back and watch stuff. Um, but it was really about 13 or 14 when I started to pick back up into just making sure I was there every week and, you know, never missing an episode again. So, uh, so we're starting in a dark time for me. And, but I love, I love how you set the tone, Sammy. Uh, that, um, <laughs> that was beautiful imagery. I love taking everyone back to, uh, to January of 2010. And I feel like I already have a really great um, reference to bring up for this uh, best of DVD <laughs> from January of 2010. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, what can I say? TikTok on the clock, but the party don't stop. I think those are the lyrics. All right, let's get into our list. We've had enough uh, Kesha references for this evening, but maybe they'll come up later. Who knows? There's an impression you know, during this era. Uh, I'm going to start off with Bill here. Basically, and just to preface it, and I'll let Bill talk, you know, we've all kind of created a, a long list of you know, potential things we want to talk about. We're going to start in the, the early 2010s and make our way through, um, and we're kind of just going to go around. This will be a bit of a looser discussion than our typical episodes. Um, we're not breaking things down into categories. We're just really, you know, trying to take a holistic approach to covering such a big um, amount of time. So, Bill, um, what is the first thing you want to talk about from the early 2010s? Well, I, I may have mentioned this before. I probably have. But one of my favorite sketches, running sketches of all time, uh, was with Jason and Will. And it started that fall and kind of really picked up steam uh, going into 2010. And, and I think they did it three more times in that season. Uh, and it was Pete Twinkle and Greg Stink. Uh, ESPN classic, uh, different scenario every every time, where whether but it was always these obscure-ish sports like curling or darts. And uh, it was just these two very clueless announcers uh, talking about... Uh, you know, it was typically Kristen Wiig as the main uh, protagonist, always ending with a uh, a city as her last name. She was something St. Louis at one point. And, and uh, you know, they, they try to discuss what's going on. And, you know, Jason as Pete is is holding it together, but he's clueless. But Greg just completely blows him out of the water with how clueless he is, has no idea what's going on most of the time. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll cut to him and ask him, uh, you know, well, what's the purpose of these brushes? And I have no idea. And he just starts laughing. Uh, and, and, but of course, one of the main points of this was always the, uh, the sponsor, which was always an eighties feminine hygiene product of some sort. Um, uh, and Jason would just come up with these wonderful rhymes, you know, uh, when, when you've got something fungal deep in your jungle, uh, or when your man's in a coma from your panty aroma. <laughs> that, I mean, these, these were just such great. And the fact that they were able to get these all on air without any issue because it was all kind of, you know, subtle, so to speak. But yeah, this, this was, this was my, one of my favorite sketches of the last 15 years. Um, and of course, they did one with Will Ferrell uh, where it was set in 1994. And, you know, he's trying to cover the OJ trial and he's as clueless <laughs> as they are. And, and, 
And Jason has to keep reminding everybody, remember, this is 1994, you know, uh, so <laughs> yeah, th this always made me laugh and, and rewatching a lot of these this weekend uh, was was definitely still a good chuckle. Yeah, this is one that as I was doing my research for this episode, even though I've, you know, they did the this so many times on the show, even though um, it premiered during Will Forte's last season as a cast member, you know, I still found myself, um, you know, rewatching these uh, one or two of these as we we're doing research for this episode. So uh, really good pick. Uh, Haskell or Haynes, do either of you want to chime in on ESPN Classic? I think you can definitely see uh, the chemistry between Forte and Sudeikis. And uh, it was clear later in his run that something was lost in Sudeikis when Forte left. Uh, which was unfortunate. But I also think, you know, one of the, one of the themes that comes back uh, a few times is, you know, Jason Sudeikis's love for sports and doing sports sketches. And I do, I do wonder if, I know they're, they're massively different characters, but I do wonder if, if something about him playing this character um, led to him doing those Ted Lasso commercials, which of course eventually led to the Ted Lasso uh, TV show that we have now. Um, it's just funny to see the progression of that. But I, I did always appreciate Sadiq. It's kind of he always worked in some sports sketches. Yeah, sure. Haskell kind of Haskell Haskell kind of touched on uh the first thing that I was gonna say, which is just that um, you know, Will and Jason are just so good together. Um, you know, this was a very special time in SNL history. You know, we talk about um these are just some you know amazing all-time great cast members. And uh, so anytime we have them together, uh they just work so well together. Uh, but it's a great point about the Ted Lasso thing. That's not something I thought about. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I feel like on these uh, super fan takeovers, I always got to say at one point in the episode, you know, not a big sports guy. Um, and sometimes when SNL does a sports theme sketch, you know, I, I get a little turned off at the beginning. And sometimes it takes me a little bit to be one over. Or I don't get the specific references or whatever. But uh, ESPN Classic, you know, obviously is just absurdist. And, you know, the chemistry between Forte and Sudeikis, you know, won me over uh, immediately. And I, and I always really enjoyed these sketches. So uh, let's move on to Haskell. Haskell, um, do you want to talk about the, the, the first item on your list? Yeah, I don't have a sketch. I have an episode. Um, it's the second to last episode of that season 35. So we're just a few months into 2010 but if you're talking the best of this decade you, you got to include that betty white episode i eventually i'm sure we will sit down we'll do another bracket we'll do another debate and we'll do the best single episodes of all time and i promise you this episode is getting to the final four this to me is the ultimate episode of snl you have an iconic host you have buzz that generates outside of just you know, the diehard SNL fans and the casual SNL fans. You have a musical guest who might be in Jay-Z, who is at the top of his game at that point. You have a legendary cast. You have cameos from legendary cast members. Like, it, it's just the ultimate episode. It's hysterical. Betty White is phenomenal in it. The, the story has been told many times that the reason all of those cast members came back to cameo is they were all actually the understudy for Betty White in each sketch in case she couldn't make it through the night. And she did, and she killed it. And I just think back to, you know, we, to go back to sports, a lot of SNL fans say that 
Saturday Night Live is the only live sport of comedy. We watch SNL like we watch a sporting event. And when you watch it the way we do, very often it becomes like being a baseball fan. If, you know, there's 162 games in the baseball season, you watch a ton of them. Everything starts to gel together and you're just like, oh, I kind of remember that. This Betty White episode is the World Series. You remember exactly where you were when you heard about there being a petition for her to host. You remember where you were when you watched this episode. It is to me, the it to start off, it might be the high point of this decade. And it's the first thing out of my mouth. But I absolutely adore this episode and everything that SNL was in that moment. Yeah, uh, Haskell, that, that's a great uh, pick for an episode to bring up because... I mean, she won uh, an Emmy, I believe, uh, for for this episode of SNL. And uh, yeah, as far as like outside buzz, I mean, there was a a Facebook campaign um, for her to host. And I just remember, you know, the weeks or months leading up to that, you know, it was almost like a a bit of a meme, but also people genuinely around that time, you know, she was starting to like be maybe a little bit more active in some, some, some film roles. I know she had like a role in the proposal right around this time. So there was a bit of like a Betty White renaissance um, and, you know, so late in her life, you know, we were able to still have her for, you know, 10 more years after that. Um, you know, it was really amazing to see. And it was a great celebration of not only, you know, so many great, you know, uh, women cast members from, you know, a lot of different eras of the show, but uh, also Betty White uh, herself. So uh, Bill or Haynes, do either of you want to jump in on this one? I do think that um, it is an all-time great episode, and yes, this might have jump-started the, um, you know, Be- Betty White's, you know, the kind of the renaissance of Betty White in culture. Perhaps not a renaissance for her; she never stopped being awesome. But uh, but it is amazing how toward the end of her life, you know, the last decade or so, it was just all of a sudden like you would see her on clothing and just constantly referenced on the internet. It seemed like it kind of popped out of nowhere and um, absolutely love it because everybody loves Betty White and they should. She's such an OG. Um, But this is a fantastic episode and I really don't, I don't know where to, I don't know where to start um, talking about my love for Betty White. We all I think are going to miss her so much. Um, Something that the podcast audience may not know is that, it may have been me who brought the the curse of death upon her. Um, we, we, I was in a, I was in a text thread with some other buddies, and I don't recall off the top of my head right now um, who else had died that week. But we had two other very famous people die that week. I think um, some, I think I believe maybe Harry Reid. I think Senator Harry Reid died that same week, and then someone else. And I remember texting my buddy like. Uh oh, Betty White, better watch out. And then, of course, you know, like two days later, she died, and uh, and I was grief stricken and worried that I was perhaps some sort of witch. So this is a real personal thing that I had to deal with uh, after we lost Betty White. But absolutely great episode. I love the um, what we're doing with this uh, episode of the podcast. How we don't um, have typical super tight categories like we do for some of our super fan takeovers. So I love that. Sometimes we're just going to get a great sketch. Sometimes we're going to get a great episode. Sometimes we're going to get, you know, just maybe a whole cast that we really need to dig into. So I think this will be a very fun conversational episode and it's a great pick by Haskell. Yeah. Same, same that these guys have all said. Uh, I mean, this to me being old enough to kind of remember the uh, reruns of Mary Tyler Moore and and things like that, 
and the fact that she was never on the show is was criminal. And the fact, you know, this this was the high point of Facebook. You know, this would never happen again in that setting, uh, being able to kind of get this kind of campaign going. And uh, yeah, she killed it. And being able to see the the bonus of being able to see all of these great women from SNL come back um, and them do classic sketches like Lawrence Welk and uh, Delicious Dish and things of that nature. Um, and she was game for anything. Uh, you know, the I can't think of the name of the sketch where she, the, you know, it's old timey and it's clear the, uh, I think it was Amy Poehler was the lesbian and, you know, she starts talking about it and she, she had no filter and it was fantastic. So yeah, th this was an all time classic episode. Uh, if you asked any non SNL fan, what the most famous episode of the last 15 years, this would definitely be their choice. So great, great choice. Yeah, and you know, if you guys have not uh, had a chance to revisit that, if you've never watched that episode, I, you know, as you can see, we all definitely recommend that one. Um, great time capsule as well for that, you know, early 2010 uh, era of the show. Uh, all right, Haynes, let's hear what you got first on your list. So I told you I did have a reference to January of 2010. So really kicking things off at the very start here. This is. I think, and now this is a one-off sketch. We never saw, it never recurred. Um, and, you know, I'm not talking about a whole episode here. I'm just talking about one sketch that I think is exceptional. We did discuss it. It was on my list for our digital shorts um, episode where we talked about the digital shorts. And this one, <laughs> it really starts out. Um, it's got, first of all, it's a great story. The whole, the whole arc of what's happening here is just a really great tale from start to finish. You know, we start out with Andy Samberg playing this guy who seems to be some sort of top-level executive. He's too cool. He's always getting, he's, you know, he seems to be just shooting aces all day, uh, whatever that means. I think I just made up that term. <laughs> and um, so, but... I did just use the word curse and that is what this sketch is called the curse. And so basically Andy Samberg is walking down the street and he steps on and breaks the talisman of this, you know, possibly homeless Fred Armisen character who gets into a shouting match with him. And of course he lays the curse of Sergio upon him. And we really don't know what this is, but essentially uh, <laughs> every time, uh, well, Andy Samberg's character is really just trying to live his life. And in these um, important moments of his life, John, a shirtless, greased up John Hamm with long flowing hair, explodes through the wall, blasting a saxophone solo that seems to attract everyone in the room to him um, and leave Andy Samberg out of the picture. Um like I said, I think it's, I actually think the story in the sketch is really great. You know, I mean, all sketches should be a short story from, you know, point A to point B. But this one, I, I just felt like it really had the right ups and downs, the right pacing. And, you know, he goes after he's cursed and dealing with this, uh, these instances over and over again. He, you know, he gets back to Fred Armisen and he's apologizing and begging. And Fred Armisen, you know, takes his money. He says, he says I'll pay for it. Anything. He says, fine. You pay for it. I will lift the curse. So he, you know, gives him the dream catcher basically and says, keep this over your wall and it will protect you from the curse forever. Um, and it feels like a happy ending. But anyone who knows story knows that this can't really be the ending now. And so, of course, 
he's showing up to his wife uh, to watch his wife give birth. And the, the last thing she says before she gives birth is, oh, I knocked your dream catcher off the wall and broke it. You know, I hope you don't mind. And in the next moment, I can't believe that they got away with this or that I'm about to have to talk about this. But from her vagina emerges Sergio and John Hamm just covered in like amniotic fluid and wailing saxophone in the um in the in the in ICU and uh it's just start to finish in a sketch that I'm crying from like the first time well maybe the first time he busts through the wall you're a little bit confused but the second time it's very funny when he came out at the end when he came through the birth canal I mean that's crazy that was really, really crazy, and I love going back to this sketch. I think it's a great one to pass on to folks who haven't seen it before. Um, if you haven't, you must. It makes me, really, the ending brings me to tears every time. So The Curse uh, with Sergio and John Hamm, I really think is an all-time 2010s DVD sketch. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good pick, uh, Haynes. Uh, you know, we got John Hammond there who... You know, during this era is definitely a, 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 a good friend of the show, you know, popping up on screen more than some cast members in, in some, uh, you know, seasons, uh, featured cast members. Uh, and also like a great Jenny Slate, um, you know, appearance in this sketch mm-hmm. um, for her, you know, kind of short tenure on the show. Um, so that's a good pick. Uh, Bill or Haskell, any thoughts on The Curse? Yeah, going through the digital shorts was uh, was difficult because I mean we we've, we've done an entire episode on that, and you think that the producers uh, of this DVD uh, would would probably only pick one since there's so much material for ten years, and I was kind of trying to figure out which one I would pick out of those, and I it was between Sergio and Jack Sparrow. I, I think it would have to be one of those two, um, but yeah. It, as as Haynes said, I mean, there there's so many funny moments in this, and and the whole birthing scene, uh, one of the funniest <laughs> moments on the show, and uh, you know John Hamm, who regrettably has not been on the show in so long and looked to be on a fast track to five time, uh, was very game in this as well. So yeah, great pick. Yeah, I'm I'm just we I don't think we could do this without mentioning John Hamm. It's kind of weird. We I, I feel like he is so associated with that era uh he hasn't hosted since 2010 so he wasn't even hosting in that era but i do have the numbers in front of me uh, he hosted twice and three times in total twice in the era that we're talking about but five cameo appearances in four filmed cameo appearances so he definitely did leave his mark on that era so it, it's kind of fitting that we do select a sketch uh, that it has just a phenomenal performance by him Haskell, I love that you have stats in front of you. Um, I was like about to pull them up, and then and Haskell, you know, you, you beat me to the punch. Which I, you know, anytime you guys can beat me to the punch, please do so. Um, you know, it makes my job a little easier. Um, all right, cool. So let's move on from the curse. Um, and you know, we're 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 heading down to 2010, and um, something that I think you know needs should be mentioned um, if we're you know, taking the approach of, you know, this is the, the, the 2010s era, you know, so, you know, there's the, the, the sketches, but there's also, you know, things surrounding the show at this time that, you know, maybe in a, in a talking head um, scenario, they kind of talk about. 
And something that should be talked about is, you know, uh, in May of 2010, not only is Will Forte, um, you know, announced that he's leaving the show, but he also has uh, a movie coming out at the cinemas, uh, the first SNL-related movie in some time, um, MacGruber, um, which, you know, if you were to ask people, you know, the weekend after it came out and MacGruber was a success, people would say no. Uh, you know, I don't even know if it critically uh, fared super well, but it's uh, certainly become a cult classic, um, you know, over the years, um, enough to the point where there's now a, a Peacock um, streaming show um, from MacGruber, which is uh, a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I just think it's interesting um, that, I mean, obviously for, you know, the reason that, you know, it didn't make a lot of money that we haven't seen a lot of SNL movies um, or any SNL movies uh, since um, MacGruber. But um, yeah, I just thought, you know, that would be something we should kind of spotlight real quick. Um, does anyone have any thoughts about the MacGruber movie or just SNL movies in general, um, you know? It's it's funny. I was just listening to Bill Hader on uh, Dana Carvey and David Spade's podcast. And, uh, you know, this is somebody who might come up a little bit later, uh, but he, he's talking about how Lauren wanted him to make a Stefan movie. And he said, you know, couldn't even make it into a full sketch without it sucking. <laughs> so how are we going to make a 90 minute movie out of this? And that was my feeling about MacGruber at the time. Now, the, the movie was better than most SNL movies. But it's funny how that's the route they seem to go. You know, Roxbury guys, you know, it, it's not, not a lot to mold from uh, to make these movies. And maybe that's why they stopped. But um, I think it's kind of stood the test of time. You know, now that there is the the Peacock show and, you know, Forte's had a resurgence in culture and, and things like that. It, it's a pretty interesting choice. Um, I haven't watched the movie in a long time. I wonder if it holds up, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a big part of the era. My favorite part of the movie, and I don't know how many SNL movies have done this, is that it like continued a little bit of the story from the sketch, where it, like Kristen Wiig's Vicky St. Elmo is is the love interest in the movie, but they also reference that Maya Rudolph started uh, in the sketches when they first did it on SNL. And I really enjoy that. I, I don't know. I can't really think of any other uh, SNL movie that kind of was a nod to kind of the history of the sketch. No, that's a, that's a really good point. Haynes, were you about to chime in? Well, I, um, some, for me, MacGruber was something that got better with time. Well, and not just like the passing of time, but the recurring sketches. Like the first one didn't exactly knock me off my feet. And in fact, when we you know saw the second one, I was kind of like, oh, we're doing this again. But um, but but I do love MacGruber now. And you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sammy is a you know a real movie critic, and this I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe this is uh, your favorite film of all time. Correct? <laughs> yeah, that, that's not true. I mean, maybe it's my maybe it's my favorite SNL movie. Maybe, but uh, maybe not even. We do have to point out hashtag Get Sammy on MacGruber season two. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course, yeah. it's the official hashtag of the uh, Super Fan Take. That's really just yeah. what I wanted to get to. Yeah. yeah, we we fell out of talks for season one, you know. So uh, hopefully, with enough fan support, you know, I can make sure that the, the contracts look good through season two. But uh, all right, Bill, 
Um, I want to move on to you um, for the next um, item on your list that you want to talk about. Yeah, this this was a small moment at the end of season 35, but kind of an important moment uh, now that we have the long view. Um, and this is something that SNL doesn't do very much anymore. And that's having um, a writer who's not part of the cast come on to Weekend Update as a correspondent or do a stand-up piece. Did it a lot back in the day. You know, Fred Wolf would go on and Don Novella and, and things like that. But um, this kind of ended with him, if I'm remembering correctly. But this was uh, John Mulaney uh, going on Weekend Update, fresh-faced, uh, young. Uh, nobody really knew who he was. Uh, people might not have even known that he was writing Stefan at this point. Um, and it's not that great. Um, it's, it's about three minutes worth of, uh, Girl Scout cookings not being available any other time of the year and you can't buy them online. And, um, it doesn't age very well because none of that's true anymore, but it, it's really funny for where it's at. You know, he's talking about, uh, you know, what if you can only buy Coca-Cola in July? How ridiculous would that be? And why do I have to buy my cookies from a little girl in a, in a cloth skirt, you know, but you know, it kind of bookends uh, as we'll get to later, I'm sure, you know, the the progression of Mulaney's career and how important he's become after he left the show to SNL. So, um, yeah, it was uh, episode 20 of season 35. He goes on Weekend Update with uh, Seth. Yeah, no, I remember as, you know, uh, a kid in high school, you know, seeing John Mulaney come on, I this might have even been the first time I was familiar with him and some of my friends who were a little more well-versed in, you know, newer stand-ups would then tell me like, oh, I've, you know, seen this Comedy Central special or whatever. I don't even know if you have one at that point, but, you know, over the years would become familiar with him and he maybe made like one or two additional appearances at the desk. You know, I know some of the online chatter at the time was, oh, could he, you know, take over update or whatever. Um, but yeah, definitely as far as a bookend goes is a cool kind of parallel to see, you know, him coming on as a writer and then, you know, being someone who, you know, uh, emerged as, you know, the the later 2010s kind of go-to host. Uh, Haskell or Haynes, you guys have anything on this piece? I, I'm typically, I try to ab avoid being like a, a hipster type person that, you know, like the whole gatekeeping thing and everything that goes with that. But that's what I, a hipster I, would say. <laughs> I do like specifically though remember like when he really started to like blow up like not really noticing how big he was getting and then people start mentioning John Mulaney and I do remember my first thought being like the the SNL writer John Mulaney the guy who did Update like uh, it, it's very his appearances on Update are very cool because because like you said we didn't see it a lot in that era I think really the only person who's done it since would be Leslie Jones right before she was added to the cast um, so it's really cool. Um, and it's, it, it'd be a great thing to include to show the, the progression of his history on the show. Um, I just ultimately wish it was a little bit, like you said, Bill, like a better representation of maybe his best material. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we should just move on then now to Haskell, just in the interest of time. Uh, for the next uh, item on your list, um, what you got? So in the interest of time, I'm starting to wiggle a little bit. Um, you know, we're still in the early part of that decade. Um, but for me, we're, we're sort of starting to close out that era, my era. And this was the era of the ultimate SNL farewells. Like so many SNL eras, 
like didn't get a farewell. Like it ended badly, you know? And I think Lauren has sort of with a couple of hiccups has sort of tried to make sure that happens. But I mean, you have three really great, you have Kristen Wiig for me doing the, you know, uh, she's a rainbow, my all time favorite sketch. And I know Haynes will disagree with he's not here for the feelings. He's here for the laughs. I, I'm sorry. I was literally as a junior or senior in high school in tears watching that sketch because those were my people. And then, you know, the stuff Von Farewell is amazing because you include the the SNL universe and we get to see these characters that he talks about come to life. And then Fred Armisen's Farewell, um, you know, he has the T-Y-L-M, I heart, uh, I heart You, which is thank you, Lauren Michaels, I love you. Um, again, just, it just shows like, we're not silly for falling in love with this show. We're not silly for falling in love with these cast members. The people who fell in love with this show, when they were in high school, they go on to be on the show. And then it's heartbreaking when they leave. And I'm so happy that this era had so many great farewells. I still go back and watch them. And it, it still can bring me almost to the brink of tears because I loved that era so much. And I, that, so of course you have to include those. I mean, you know, you say that you, you know, cried back in high school. I mean, I watched this yesterday and it's hard to find the Kristen Wiig one. It's hard to find because of the music rights. Um, you know, I went on some maybe shady website to try to find it and, uh, you know, uh, teared up again. Um, even though I've seen it so many times at this point, I mean, it's, you know, I'm not saying it was cheap of Lauren to pull those punches, but you know, it was just like, Oh my God. Like, you know, and you see like Bobby Moynihan, like, all, you know, almost kind of break down, like every being able to see like every cast member kind of have their own goodbye. Um, and it is also like kind of awkward to see like Kate McKinnon there and they were on the show together for like two episodes or something like that. But um, yeah, no, this is a great pick. Um, Bill or Haynes, anything to chime in on, you know, these farewells from like, you know, 2010 to, you know, 2013. Well, first of all, that was a very fair and accurate, uh, characteristic that about me that Haskell pointed out I am here for the comedy I'm not here for the emotions but that's why I'm watching comedy it doesn't mean that I'm emotionless you know in fact I'm a very passionate person and sometimes you know perhaps overly um demonstrative and um I really just wear my emotions on my sleeve sometimes. And, and yeah, I mean, this one will make a slobbering fool out of anybody. I think uh, it was, it actually was the, was the thing that I was going to bring up when you, if you went to me after Haskell, this was the next thing that I was going to say. And that's because it's in 2012. Yeah. And it's kind of toward the end of this early part of the 2010s era. So yeah, Mick Jagger, uh, you know, she's a rainbow and, um, and Ruby Tuesday and just, you know, dancing with everyone. It was, it was just so emotional and, um, you know, just an absolutely beautiful, one of the most beautiful things I've seen in SNL history written by Colin Jost. Um, I think there was, you know, what a time where they were thinking it almost might not even go into the show. Uh, but I think, boy, we're all glad that it did. I think that's, something Kristen uh, mentioned during the Howard Stern interview and um, but just an all time 
perhaps, yeah, perhaps the most beautiful moment in SNL history. Although I think a lot about, you know, um, you know, coming back after 9-11 and that kind of stuff too. But uh, but this was actually going to be the next thing that I brought up if uh, if Haskell hadn't taken it. So mark that one off the list. Yeah, just a fantastic moment. Obviously, this would have to be on the DVD. Yeah, and just to, you know, quickly shout out, you know, you mentioned three cast members, but, you know, another one that came to mind when you were talking about this was Andy Samberg. Um, you know, he left on the same night as Kristen. And although he didn't get, you know, a, you know, musical goodbye during the end credits, you know, the week prior, he had the 100th digital short um, kind of special, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, the Lazy Sunday 2, the sequel that we never knew we'd get. Um, and I think it's also interesting to point out, this was on my list, but this is just kind of a good time to throw it out. You know, during the Lonely Island or Andy Samberg's last two seasons of the show, which is what kind of falls into this era, you know, they were they still had some some uh, you know gas in the tank. They had Great Day, Shy Ronnie Two, I Just Had Sex, The Creep, Jack Sparrow, um, and you know a bunch of others um, that you know even though they'd already been doing it you know five years at this point at the start of this decade, you know they still had um, a lot of fun digital shorts uh, up their sleeve. But uh, yeah, so I, I think we should. Uh, move on to, to Haynes here. Haynes, since that wasn't uh, what, uh, you know, you're able to bring to the table now, uh, what you're going to bring? Yeah. So, you know, I got to talking about that and kind of um, didn't have a chance to think of what I might bring up next. But I guess, um, well, listen, this is as good a time to talk about it as any I mean, obviously, at some point, one of us was going to have to mention uh, that, you know, Stefan was, it would have to be obviously uh, something that would be, you know, carefully placed um, in this documentary and I, I think would get a lot of attention. Um, it's obviously, you know, it's, it might be arguably the greatest weekend update character of all time, or at least um, in the last, you know, 20 years. I think it's one that, um, people reference probably more than any other, at least in the last couple decades. Um, so yeah, since, since you kind of took my, uh, took my juices with that one. Yeah. Let's talk about Stefan. Yeah. I mean, you know, as far as, you know, iconic cast members during the show, Bill Hader is definitely up there and Stefan is maybe his biggest character. Um, Bill, do you want to chime in a little on Stefan? I was surprised that they did this 19 times in the decade. Um, kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't believe. And of course, I did it a few times in the decade prior. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say he's the best weekend update character ever, but uh, definitely up there. Uh, this is kind of a, a great era for weekend update characters. Um, and I'm going to bring up a couple later on. But, um, yeah, and, and Seth was so great to play off of these. Obviously, he played off Stefan very well and, and how his tenure ended. But, um, yeah, I mean, Bill Hader and John Mulaney working together were, were just fantastic. Uh, and the fact that Mulaney would always try to make him laugh by changing a couple lines uh, right before the live show, uh, kind of one of those behind-the-scenes things that always makes me chuckle. So, yeah, that's a, a very good pick and definitely needs to be included. Yeah, I mean, 
And I'm pretty sure that uh, New York's hottest club was in the, the championship uh, uh, matchup for the uh, catchphrase bracket that we did, or at least in the final four. It was definitely up there. Uh, it was up there. Yeah, 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 definitely final four. So, you know, iconic catchphrase, iconic character. You know, while we're talking about Bill Hader and we're talking about, you know, kind of the end of this run um, of, of cast members on the show, um, something that during this rewatch kind of surprised me that, I, I kind of forgot was kind of this late into Bill Hader's, um, you know, time on the show. That is a sketch that I find myself coming back to, you know, at least a couple of times a year, um, whether it's a friend of mine sending it or I'm sending it to a friend or whatever um, is in, uh, is the sketch, the puppetry class um, with the Seth MacFarlane uh, as the host, which, you know, was a really fun episode, you know, just peak Seth MacFarlane, um, you know, in 2012, um, but yeah, I mean, this sketch, if, if you guys don't remember it, um, Seth MacFarlane is leading, um, a class where you can, you know, make your own puppets. Um, and you know, the characters are, you know, Keenan has a kind of a ranger, uh, ranger Robbie, I think is the puppet's name. Um, and Vanessa Bayer has uh, someone who's like really into shopping and texting. And then you have, uh, Anthony Peter Coleman, um, uh, who's a <laughs> Vietnam war vet and he's made a puppet that looks exactly like himself. And it is just like quintessential Bill Hader material. Um, you know, just the, the intensity he's able to bring to the role while he's, you know, kind of, um, you know, playing around with this, this puppet that looks exactly like him. There's so many uh, funny lines and great visuals. My favorite being when he's um, taking a drag from the cigarette and it comes out of the, <laughs> the, the puppet's mouth. Um, everything about it. For me, also, you know, just taking a look at this season, you know, Kristen and Andy had just left. Um, and, you know, Kristen was, you know, she was really the star of the show while she was on there for those last couple of years. And to me, just thinking of, you know, that season where, um, you know, you've kind of got the, these new guys with Taryn and, and Jay Farrow and Vanessa Bear, you know, coming up. Um, and, you know, you also have, you know, um, Bill, Jason, and Fred in their last season. You know, for me, like this is like really kind of when I feel like Bill was like cemented as like the glue of this cast. You know, not saying that he wasn't beforehand, but like it's like a sketch like this where you know, to me, I, I really see it as like yeah, he was the glue of that cast. Um, so, uh, Haynes, do you want to chime in on this one? <laughs> yeah, I have. So this is I've seen this sketch a billion times. It is kind of an all-time great it gets it gets replayed a lot um you know when when they do snl clip shows and it's just uh and it's a youtube clip that still just like pops up in my feed sometimes i've seen it so many times um seen this episode so many times uh, it's very good I, I love impressions so uh seth mcfarlane i you know i love you know, seeing seth mcfarlane on there but i haven't seen this sketch in a while so i don't i wish i could make tons of direct quote references but all i remember is the gruff voice and the feeling of all of them like seth would say something along the lines of like well try it with a little fun and he'd say something like fun died on the hill at quezon or something you know it's like i don't i don't remember exactly no, you, you nailed it you nailed it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah i don't remember some of the exact quotes but this is a brilliant sketch and just one that yeah absolute peak bill hater at really I mean, if you wanted to expose someone to Bill Hader, um, you might show them this and, you know, maybe uh, his Pacino or something like that. 
Um, so yeah, amazing sketch. Absolutely love this one. A real favorite of mine. Can I just add that I, um, it, outside of SNL, the show that I've watched most of my life is Family Guy. So I remember being amped for Seth MacFarlane hosting. Like I was excited. This is definitely a character that, uh, that they brought it back when he came back to host. I'm pretty sure. Uh, if they had debuted it two years earlier, we would have had 15 of these um, because that character, they would have definitely brought back like a number of times. And I guess that's a, you can look at that two ways. Did we miss out 15 or, or is it like a really good once sketch with kind of an epilogue to it by doing it when he came back to host? No, that's a really good point. Cause for a lot of these, when I was, you know, watching for the, for this episode i was like oh wow they did this 10 times they did this seven times oh they only did this twice or they did the three times um and this is one that i for sure thought they at least did again while he was on the cast and the fact that they only did it when you know he uh, came back to host i was like all right good good restraint on snl's part um kind of adds to the myth of this sketch for sure um all right bill we go back to you um, just to kind of remind the viewers at home you know we're kind of you know towards the end of the the bill Kristen and the era of the show and heading into some new cast members that joined the show during this decade, you know, Taryn Killam, Nessa Bayer, Jay Farrow, you know, Bobby's been on the show for, for a little bit now. So Bill, do you have anything, you know, more geared towards that? Or if you have anything else you want to close out on Bill and, and those guys, you know, feel free to chime in. Well, I, I, not to turn this into a best of Bill Hader DVD, but uh, I have one more thing that uh, I think is kind of important for uh, this decade and it's his Herb Welch. Uh, those, those newscasts can kind of mesh together. You know, they do them so much, not as much as game shows, but they do them so much on the show. But this stood out and apart. And, uh, you know, if you don't remember, Herb Welch was this ancient, you know, now in his 70th year at the station uh, guy. And Jason Sudeikis is playing the straight guy in the studio, cutting to Herb at these uh, different scenarios. Herb has no idea what's going on around him. He's, he's completely senile. He's lost his mind. Um, and uh, the, the one that sticks out to me uh, was uh, he was on a, a campus trying to figure out a drug problem. And uh, Jesse Eisenberg was hosting. And he's, he's talking to Jesse and he, he just not talking about drugs at all. He's asking him how he feels about Ebbets Field closing. And that was in like <laughs> 1958. And, you know. <laughs> He cuts to Keenan, uh, you know, and, and talks to him about the drug problem when Jason tries to get him back on track. And, uh, he's, you know, Keenan finishes what he's saying and is there you have it. School's fully integrated. And, you know, <laughs> it's just it continues. And then, of course, at every every uh, end of every sketch, he dies, but then comes back to life. Um, this was just peak hater. Uh, this was something else he also mentioned on the on the Carvey podcast, where this was just a a minuscule idea. You know, he was watching a newscast with a, a writer friend of his, and he saw this old guy who had no no idea what was going on, and he said, "That's a sketch. Right, let's do it." And uh, he turned it into this gold mine six times. So, um, yeah, this this was great, great Bill Hader stuff. Definitely. I mean, you know, if people have been watching the fan takeovers for. Um, you know, quite some time. They know we, we love Bill Haler, and this is uh, definitely a sketch that uh, I, I enjoyed revisiting. Um, Haynes, did you have anything to chime in on this one? No, I'm just crying at uh, Nicole Rovine's uh, message here in the comments saying Herb Welch walked so Edith Puthie could run. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, you know, Nicole, Nicole's right on, on that one, I'll say. Um, but uh, yeah, all right. Well, Haynes, if you don't have anything to add, we can move, out, move on over to Haskell. Um, Haskell, you want to share the next item on your list? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to officially move us out of the, that hater era. I'm going to season 39. If you could give me, when John finally lets me uh, host, we're doing the official season 39 deep dive. To me, it's this lost season, and there's so much to dive into. There's two real things that I'd like to talk about. I'm going to go with this one because I don't know if anybody else will mention it. I love when when you can watch an episode of SNL and and remember what was going on then and what things were like then. And as somebody who went to high school in the 2010s, I was beat over the head with uh, teen girls who loved One Direction. And it's one of those things as a high school, you're like, oh my God, they suck. And now I'm 27 and I hear a song and I go, man, music ain't what it used to be because those guys could sing. <laughs> um, so I just want to point out that that Paul Rudd uh, One Direction episode, I, I think there's two great moments of it where One Direction joins the cast of Anchorman, specifically Anchorman 2, I think around that time. Um, and they sing together. That's great. And then just a phenomenal sketch where Paul Rudd plays like a One Direction super fan. And he's with all the teen girls waiting for them to come out. He's, you know, he's quizzing them on their birthday and he's going crazy. And it's just like peak Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's another guy that I feel like we have to mention, like through a few different eras has been a go-to guy. He's, he's, I think he's one of those quintessential hosts that could have been a cast member. Um, so, but, but to just look back in that era, I know One Direction uh, was musical guest a few times in that era, but that just felt like it was peak them. And Paul Rudd just is like the cherry on top of like what is a, a just a great kind of timely reference to their uh, fandom. Definitely. And, you know, obviously Harry Styles has, has come back onto the show um, and has even hosted, I'm not sure if he did double duty um, that time, but, uh, you know, he's, one Direction uh, lore lives on as far as SNL is concerned. Uh, I am curious if Bill or Haynes has anything to say on uh, One Direction or specifically this Paul Rudd One Direction episode. I, I love the Anchorman get together. Uh, I love Keckner coming onto the show. So uh, that's that's my biggest takeaway from that. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that sketch with him as the super fan was was fantastic. For sure. Um, all right, then. Well, I, I think we should move on then to, to Haynes. Uh, let's hear what is next uh, on your list. Okay, so I'm bringing up another uh, recurring sketch. Uh, really, it's more of a series uh, than a single recurring sketch. And I did. I don't mean to keep us from moving on uh, chronologically. Um, I didn't, uh, think this out so well, you know, when I was looking through my notes, trying to pick, um, what I was going to mention next with the last one, but I do have to keep us with the, uh, hater era for just a moment because, and, you know, we talked about this in the last round table that I was on, uh, John mentioned these auditions, these series of auditions. And I, as well, I told you just a few minutes ago, and I've said it a million times, I love impressions. Um, so these are right up my alley. And all of them, you know, Back to the Future, Part 1 and 2, um, Jurassic Park. You had um, the Star Wars auditions were so good. Um, 
you know, they even did uh, ones for who might host the Oscars, which had some really great impressions, uh, particularly Melissa Villasenor's Sarah Silverman was very funny. Uh, Lion King, Fifty Shades of Grey, Top Gun. Um, and those were not the best ones. I really think the best ones were the Star Wars and the Back to the Future. Um, Hater, obviously, we get to see his we get to see his Pacino. Um, we get to see, you know, Jay Farrow as Eddie Murphy and Kristen Wiig as Jennifer Tilly. Um, John Hamm does an amazing Robin Williams, or maybe not amazing, but pretty good. I really liked it a lot. Um, we get to see Haters Aldo, which is always good. I, you know, I didn't grow up watching MASH or anything. My parents always had it on in the background. I didn't pay that much attention to it, but for some reason, I love his, um, his Alan Alda. And uh, we get two different versions of Pee Wee Herman, one from Taron Killam and then another from Mikey Day. And I think they're both pretty good. I think maybe I would go Taron over Mikey on the Pee Wee Herman impression. I'm not sure. But these uh, these sketches just used as, you know, a rotating door for impressions are just right up my alley. And I really have enjoyed all of them. Yeah, I'm really glad someone brought this up because I, I loved these, um, especially as a big kind of movie buff growing up, just seeing like these cast members do, you know, these uh, impressions of, you know, people from different eras, you know, potentially auditioning for these movies. I ate it up. Haskell, did you have anything to add on the screen tests? Yeah, I don't know who was who wrote those. Uh, clearly it had to be somebody who was there for a while because some of these sketches go back a long time and they were there for a while. So I don't know if it was one person people that took up the mantle. The only thing I, I love them, I thought Bobby Moynihan killed it. His Danny DeVito is BB-8 is great when he just rolls on the floor. The only thing I don't get is like, they the cast right now is stacked with people who can do great impressions. People who can do great impressions who aren't getting screen time, write one of these sketches. Like do it now. There's so many great opportunities. There's Marvel movies coming out all the time that, that kind of fit into this. Bring them back. Love it. That is uh, such a good point, Haskell. I mean, when you think about it, I know we're talking about the 2010s, but, you know, you know, J.J., Chloe Feynman, you know, uh, Melissa. You Melissa. Know, so many great, yeah, so many great cast members um, that could excel with this kind of sketch. Even the Family Feud format, I feel like it's been a couple years since we've seen the Celebrity Family Feud. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a, free, that's a freebie. That's a classic super fan freebie for... Lauren and, and the people of SNL. Um, but since uh, I think either Haynes or Haskell brought up Bobby Moynihan, I think it would be um, a great time for me to bring up the next thing on my list. Um, this is just like the, the Bobby Moynihan sort of two minute sort of uh, power hour. Not a, whatever. This is my spotlight for Bobby <laughs> Moynihan. He, as I've said on the show or on the roundtables in the past, he is easily one of my favorite cast members of all time. You know, he joined the show um, in like the fall of 2008, which is actually, you know, when I had my bar mitzvah, you know, which was the, it was themed around SNL. So that was really like, you know, I, I was loving SNL. And, and for me, when Bobby joined the show, I think he was really like the first new cast member that like I saw come onto the show and then leave the show because I had started watching in like late 2007, early 2008. And he's someone who had such a great run. So to see him start out as a featured player, you know, as a babyface featured player and, and, and go, um, I think it was on for um, nine years on the show. Um, you know, he had such a good run and he was never someone who was 
he was never the star of SNL. He was never a star of any time he was on the show because for those first couple of years, you know, Bill and, you know, Kristen really dominated. And then kind of right when they left, it was when Kate McKinnon and, and Cecily Strong joined the show and, and Beck and, and Taryn. So, you know, he never was the star, but he isn't really that kind of performer or that cast member. He was just such a great ensemble player, you know, and, and when he did get the chance to have a spotlight on, on update, I mean, drunk uncle is, is great, you know, so many great um, update characters. Um, you know, I don't know. I just think he's somebody who, if he had never left the show, you know, there's that joke in Rick and Morty to where, you know, they're doing the, the SNL interdimensional cable and for his 25th consecutive year, Bobby Moynihan, like he, you know, he could have been like a Keenan in an alternate universe. I could see him fit in different sort of, sort of eras of the show. And I think he's, he's, he was just maybe not a glue guy, but just like really good, you know, ensemble player. I know that's a weird distinction, but um, you know, Bill, let me bring it over to you. Uh, any thoughts on Bobby Moynihan? Yeah, he's he's actually the uh, next one I'm going to bring up with a, a particular uh, thing that he did. But uh, great points all around. I mean, I, I'd put him kind of in the Kevin Nealon category where he was never the number one guy on the show. But you could put him in anything. He was going to be funny in anything. He would do the silliest things. Uh, I always think of the uh, I think they did it two or three times with uh, he brought the kitty cat on the uh, on the spaceship and he's. Oh, my little kitty cat. <laughs> it's, it, 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 he didn't care how much he embarrassed himself uh, or as long as it was for the funny, he he was all in. And uh, yeah, I love him too. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he, he came on the show multiple times, painted himself orange and wore a wig to play Snooky. So, you know, we're, we're talking 2010s, you know, we had to bring up that, that Snooky impression, but uh um, Bill, was that what you were going to bring up just now um, for for your Bobby Moynihan sketch, or did you have something something else? No, I, I was going to bring up uh, Anthony Crispino. Uh, I, I thought this was one of the best uh, update characters of the decade. Um, you know, he did this eleven times, um, and he he was you know always got his new second hand, and it was another perfect uh, example of uh, mostly Seth uh, playing off of this character. And you know, he come on. Did you hear about this guy, uh, Gandalfi, the wizard uh, out in North Africa? He, he's been sending all these Twizzlers. <laughs> or or uh, uh, did you hear about this best, best picture, Fargo? It didn't even come out this year. Uh, it's directed by the Aflac duck, you know, <laughs> and, and Seth would try to correct him and get him, you know, where did you hear this from? And he'd always have this ridiculous name like Cinnabon Jovi, you know, his friend down by the docks. And um, yeah, I. This was a perfect example of what Moynihan could do. You know, Drunk Uncle is more famous, but I think uh, Crispino uh, brought it every time. Yeah. yeah. Hands? Uh, I just, Bobby Moynihan was, you know, one of my favorite cast members while he was on the show. Um, he just really appealed to me, and I was very sad when he left. You know, like you, I, I could have seen him sticking around for a million years. Um Everything we've talked about, Anthony Crispino, Drunk Uncle, uh, the BB-8 was great. His Sam Kinison was great. Uh, he was just hilarious in sketches with those, uh, you know, he, he his eyes kind of bug out. He does that funny little face where his eyes kind of bug out. And uh, just, yeah, a stalwart of the, the 2010s, no doubt. So, uh, yeah, great, great reference. 
we've mentioned all his great characters. Let me just chime in with one more. Slappy Pappy. <laughs> I mean, again, yeah. let's. We might have to do a Bobby Moynihan episode because, again, he's phenomenal, and there's just a real likable quality about him. I mean, you know, Bobby Moynihan episode. I mean, you know, let's 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 save that one in the chamber. Let's not let any podcast get to it before us. Um, but uh, we're shouting out Bobby Moynihan sketches, uh, the Sopranos, uh, the, the teenage years or whatever, where he plays, uh, um, you know, uh, Tony Soprano. I, I just binged the Sopranos a couple months ago and I finally got to rewatch that sketch and I'm like, ah, Bobby Moynihan. Uh, Haskell, do you have anything Bobby Moynihan or otherwise to bring up? Uh, I'm back in season 39 and it's something that uh, it's a series of sketches that they did. They had one, I would say, definitive follow-up to this sketch, and then they kind of did things in the same vein of it. And this is another one that sort of highlights the lost era, because it felt like something that we were going to get, like, this sketch every year, one of them. Um, but it's when all the female cast members would team up for their song. So they start with Twin Bed, and then the definitive follow-up is Back Home Baller. And they did a lot of other songs, but I don't think any of them, you know, I don't know if we ever saw Little Baby 80 again. You know, they did plenty of songs where Kate and 80 and Cecily, they all sing together. But uh, these two, um, Twin Bed, it might be the definitive sketch of that. I always call it Lost Season 39 because it was such a transition year. I think if you showed casual fans the top 50 sketches from Season 39, Twin Bed is going to be the one that they remember. Uh, it was, you know you know, relatable in certain circles. It, it, it was a holiday thing. And then they came back and they did it the next year. Back Home Baller was probably even a little bit more relatable. I still, to this day, uh, me and my fiance cannot grab a bowl in our house without doing Leslie Jones's bowls, bowls, all kinds of bowls. Like, that verse is so uh, hot. It's a hot verse. Yeah, like, uh, and that was probably the first time that Leslie Jones really started to find her footing on SNL. Um, it, you know, cause it was a rough start. And, and then I, I think she did become like a really good cast member. That was like an important step for her, but those two sketches back to back and the fact that they, you know, they had such a, a loaded female cast at the time, but nobody was really the star yet. Like even Kate McKinnon hadn't really led the cast yet in season 39 that it really gave them a chance to start to take over. Yeah, this is a prime example of one that definitely crossed over. You know, I have two younger sisters and like they reference back home baller. And I don't even know if they know it's from SNL, um, like 100 percent. So that's how much it kind of um, has crossed over. Um, Hands or Bill, you have anything to chime in on these uh, um, songs? I had I had back home ballers on my list and uh, I should have. Yeah, I should have coupled them together like Haskell did with Twin Bed. I almost forgot about Twin Bed, which is really just as good to me, even though back home ballers might slightly be my favorite. But I love them both. First of all, they're both catchy. Uh, but also, yeah, they're very they're so relatable, um, particularly. I, I just really feel like the uh, the back home ballers is is something that i mean i i relate i really relate to like almost every line in that song they're so funny um i get such a kick out of cecily with, with the one line about laying on that couch and hearing that. it sounds like my mama needs help in the kitchen but if she thinks i'm moving then that bitch be tripping it's just like um it's it's so it's it's so 
it's so relatable. And that is what it's like being back home at your parents' house over the holidays. You don't do anything. You do do a whole load of laundry for just one sock. You know, very often when we're going back to our parents' house, um, I, I guess you're right. Maybe, you know, Haskell said relatable in certain circles. Yeah, I guess it, it might be a little different the older you get, but this definitely targets like the college 20s type of person, you know, going back home uh, for the holidays. Love it. Uh, and twin bed. Yeah, really enjoy both these. And um, yeah, just yeah, both top notch, I think. Very good. Yeah, well, Haynes, let's uh, let's stick with you. Um, and why don't you give us the, the next thing you want to talk about? OK, so there are. I'm, I'm trying to decide if I should hold off on some of this stuff. Some of it feels like maybe it could be sprinkled in toward the end if we really start talking about music. But at the same time, I've got so much. Go, on my go list. with your heart. Go, just go with your I've heart. Got, I've got so much I want to mention, and we're an hour ten into this already. You know, like really, this needed to be a two-hour. And you're, show and you're just eating away at time right now. True. 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 All right, then I will go with um, something. All right. I'll drop this on you. Most of the time, and I listen, I love stand-up comedians, and that's why and that's why I like them the host, and I know they're always going to kill the monologue. I don't think there are many times really ever when I've heard a monologue and thought that it was so important that it would need to be referenced in a decade documentary, you know, about an entire era of the show, but the Dave Chappelle post-election monologue I think was just incredibly powerful and well-balanced. Um, some people may not have been listening very closely when he caught a lot of backlash. Um, he, you know, he talks in some of his other um, stand-ups about how he caught a lot of heat for saying, you know, that he was going to give Donald Trump a chance, but it was conditional. Remember it was conditional. He said, I will give him a chance, but we demand that he give us, the historically disenfranchised people of this country, a chance as well. And so I never saw that as him, you know, being two-sided or talking out of both sides of his mouth. I saw it as his way of, you know, taking this moment to, to talk about how important um, it is that, that those types of issues be addressed and that and and because we know we knew the type of president that Donald Trump was going to be coming in, I don't mean to get too much into politics on this show. We're pretty good about not doing it too much, but um, but it was almost it, you know it wasn't it wasn't a threat, but it was just a reminder of what we are not going to tolerate. And uh, but there was but the whole it was very loose. I mean, he John might have to censor this episode because I feel like I have to make this reference. But you know, he's saying uh, you know he and and he's he brings all the. Uh, levity that you need to this type of situation. A lot of people were very upset, especially in New York. You know, I wasn't in New York at time. Uh, at that time, my buddy said the subways were silent that day. Like people didn't know how to speak. They were so just shocked that this had happened. And I feel like Dave Chappelle, despite his recent controversy, is still the greatest comedian of our generation. He was the perfect person to touch on this stuff. And you know, he made he made a lot of good jokes. Uh, he talked about Obama and he talked about taxes. And uh, but he talked about um, and he said, listen, I don't know what it'll be like as a president. But he he's like, I'm ashamed to say I am staying at one of his hotels right now. He said, and listen, they do a very good job. 
The lady comes in in the morning. She cleans my room. I grab her by the pussy, you know, <laughs> and he says, hey, it's OK. The boss said I could. It's like and then he, and then he goes and he goes, I apologize, Lauren, or something. <laughs> and so like this is and and I mean, you know, really, we don't usually get this you know, graphic with this type of language on this show. So I really apologize if, if John has to clean this up a little bit. Maybe he'll cut this whole thing out. But I think this monologue was so important and and it was so Chappelle. I mean, he pushed the boundaries, you know, saying the things that I just said and was much less comfortable saying them than Dave Chappelle was, I'm sure. Uh, but he did it on national television. And um, and to me, this this monologue is one that I will never forget. It felt so powerful in the moment. Uh, it was so poignant, and the guy is just such an incredible speaker. He is one of my favorite storytellers of all time, if not my favorite storyteller of all time. So this monologue is one that just stood out to me as one that would have to be referenced in the um, you know pantheon of great 2010s moments. And I hope that's not too controversial, or maybe it, maybe it will be, and it'll generate some clicks. Who knows? I think Haynes just beat Chappelle's monologue for longest of all time. <laughs> but, but that was his second election monologue. It was second. But <laughs> every every word of what you said rings true. Speaking of his second monologue, uh, there was a reason why when we got to 2020, everybody said there's only one person who can host post election, and it's Chappelle because they wanted the sequel to that. And the last thing I will add. A very, I'm glad you mentioned it. Very, very special uh, episode in my heart because uh, I was at the dress of that episode the first time I'd ever been to SNL Live. So wow. uh, that episode will always uh, be right here for me. Wow, I did not know that. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's incredible. You just yeah, dropped that's, that on us. You never yeah, mentioned really, that. Yeah, really, man. <laughs> uh, Holding it, that one close to the vest. Yeah. I, I'm I'm always obsessed with time capsule episodes, and this from start to finish is that, uh, for better or worse. And I, I mentioned to you guys before the show, I haven't watched anything from that season on. I haven't rewatched anything from that season on, mostly because the political sketches were pretty terrible, um, and you know the Baldwin thing got old, and and you know so I didn't find a lot of that. So going back and rewatching a lot of this episode and knowing you know the things this and and of course the election night uh, sketch with Chris Rock, you know uh, mm -hmm. uh, them singing Hallelujah at the beginning as the cold open, a lot of poignant moments and uh, you know Chappelle it, Haynes nailed it. I mean Chappelle was perfect for this role. I can't imagine anyone else having hosted. He was in the right place at the right time. There's no way they could have known what was coming when they booked him, but yeah, it turned out to be uh, the, the best case scenario for, for what we were all trying to heal from. And people kind of forget, you know, we hear so much from Dave Chappelle these days, you know, he's had like five or six specials since uh, that episode that he hosted back in 2016. Um, but he was gone for many years, kind of just out of the spotlight. You know, he would do comedy shows here or there, but nothing, you know, like televised or taped or whatever. So, you know, not only was this kind of like the beginning of his sort of comeback um, in the comedy space, but, you know, tied with the moment made for such a iconic kind of you had to be there sort of thing when the election results came out. And you're like, oh, my God, Chappelle is hosting the Saturday. Like, uh, we got to hear what he's got to say. Um, and, you know, it's funny because uh, this won't be, I won't talk too much about this, but 
Um, you know, on my list as well is that election night sketch with Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, um, where um, it might have been like the first sketch after, um, you know, they, they go to the commercial after the, the monologue where, you know, people are all gathered around watching the election coverage. And that's the results coming in, you know, oh, is Hillary going to lose? And, you know, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, who, you know, makes a cameo, you know, are just kind of you know, commenting on the whole thing, how, oh, it's, it's no surprise. Like you really thought like they were going to, you know, elect her over, over this guy. So um, that's just a great sketch um, that, you know, I wanted to shout out, but um, you know, as we're moving to 2016, I did want to kind of go back real quick. Um, I know we're running out of time, but I did want to highlight um, something from Taryn Killam, who I really enjoyed his contributions on the show during this time. Um, and another kind of SNL career that was kind of cut short, Haskell, you know, alluding to the farewells, you know, we never got a Taron Killam farewell and he's never, you know, come back to the show since. Um, but a recurring sketch of him, his that I really enjoyed, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this because it's in French, Le Jeune de Paris. Uh, did I nail that? Any, any French listeners, please let me know how much I butchered that. John is dying. Uh, <laughs> but no, I really enjoyed these. If you guys don't remember, um, it kind of, it's a sketch that doesn't really have a ton of dialogue um, where, you know, they're these kind of teenagers or, you know, 20 somethings like in a club in, in Paris and someone like puts, you know, something on the jukebox and it kind of tells the story um, like through like the, the dance moves and like the, the interactions between, I think the first one was Emma Stone and it was just so, um, I don't know, it's just kind of, it was very cool to revisit this because I remember really enjoying these. And, you know, I feel like SNL doesn't do a lot of sketches nowadays that are, you know, totally, you know, not dialogue driven and just kind of, you know, visual and kind of the 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 emotion you're saying with another person via like dance or whatever. Um, they did this a couple of times and, you know, uh, again, another sketch is kind of hard to find because um, of music rights. So, you know, uh, didn't have the best quality when I when I revisited this one, but I did want to shout it out. And Taryn Killam, who I believe, you know, wrote this sketch or co-wrote the sketch and initially did it at Groundlings. You know, he was kind of the the, the anchor of this thing. And, um, you know, it is a kind of encapsulation of what he would bring to the show, his energy and kind of the way he would use his body in, in certain sketches. So, um, you know, I'll go over to, to Haynes. Do you have anything to say on this one? Um, great pick. Uh, I don't have a ton to add. You, you know, set it all right there. Uh, for sure. Well, then let's uh, move on over to Bill then. Bill, what, what you got next on your list? Since we're talking about uh, the the 2016-17 season at this point, um, one of the most poignant moments, I, I am here for the emotion sometimes. I'm here for the laughs, but I, I am here for the emotion as well. And they ended uh, January 2021 episode with Cecily and Sashir, another lost and underrated cast member, um, coming out and singing To Sir With Love uh, to Obama. And... Uh, it was just such a great moment. Uh, I can say for, you know, in my life and around my circles, like this, it was a very melancholy moment knowing that he was leaving, whether or not you thought 
you know, Trump was going to do whatever he was going to do, you know, you felt like we, we were a pretty stable nation-ish uh, during the Obama years. Not a lot of scandals, not a lot of things going on. Um, and, you know, it was sad to see him go to a lot of people. And so for them to come out and do this very emotional, sweet song, a little bit off key, but um, they, they did a very sweet uh, job doing this to end the show uh, the night before he was uh, leaving office. So uh, I, I think that would have to be included as well. Yeah, I'll add that I think this hits a little bit better than singing Hallelujah after Trump wins. It just is a little bit more of a, a looking back. And I think it's always OK to kind of look back uh you know, with a, with a little bit of love for somebody than opposed to what necessarily the hallelujah was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it, you know, it's a nice little sweet moment. Um, if I could tweak it a little bit, I'd have maybe a little bit more humor in it. It doesn't have to be mocking anybody. Uh, but, you know, even, even the first sketch after 9-11 had a joke in it. <laughs> Uh, which would be the one thing I would tweak about that. But um, I, I, I echo what Bill said about kind of going out of those Obama years and how I personally feel about Obama with a lot of admiration. So, uh, you know, it was nice to that they kind of had that moment for him. Um, yeah, no, good points, Haskell. Um, you know, there's so much to cover. We did, we did even talk about how Fred Armisen played Obama at the beginning of all this, uh, of this era, but, you know, not much to really add there. Uh, Haskell, do you want to just keep going uh, and uh, show us the next item on your list? Yeah, I feel like, you know, we have an unofficial timeline timeline right now, but kind of where we're at, I going back and watching this, I think it became very clear to me that season 41 and 42 with maybe a little bit of 43 sprinkled in will go down as the high watermark for this era of cast members. Kate, Cecily, 80. You know, Kyle Beck's not here anymore, but for Beck and Pete, um, there was a lot, a lot to go over in 41 and 42, uh, including some iconic characters that I'm sure will come up. So I'm not going to bring them up now. I'm going to go with sometimes I love a single punch knockout sketch. All right. All build one joke and it leaves you in tears in one of the all time sketches that ever did that farewell mr bunting right so it's supposed to be dead poet society fred armerson plays the teacher that's fired they're all getting up on the desk doing the old captain my captain moment and pete gets up to do his and the ceiling fan cuts off his head and sends it around the room and there is very few like there's very few jokes leading up to it like uh, Bobby is playing like a very gruff, like headmaster type. Um, but it's really played like a, like a straight remake of uh, dead poet society until that moment. And I, to this day, it might be one of the few, like honest spit takes that I've had watching SNL. Like that just took everything out of me with one punch and they play it up and they throw the head around. But uh, it was on the, I believe it's the finale of 41. Uh, so it's one of the last sketches of that uh, of that season, but it is phenomenal. Yeah, this is a, a great pick. I'm glad you brought it up because I somehow did not have it on my list. Um, Haynes, 
or Bill, anything to add to Farewell, Mr. Bunting? I had completely forgotten about this, but yeah, it is an amazing lead up to just one big punch. And really the only thing I remember is Pete getting his head cut off and uh, and it's hilarious and and stupid and right up my alley. Uh, I don't think we have enough gore on the show anymore. Maybe Sarah Sir- Sherman will bring a little bit um, back to the table. I think that'd be fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, very fun pick that di- you know was completely off my radar, completely forgot about this. Also, as let me just toss out there with the time thing, like uh, uh, before you went to Haskell, I was just going to ask, like, should we all just like read off the rest of our list now? Like how long, are, <laughs> how, how long are we going to let this go? Cause I have a ton that we could actually talk about. We might just have to like, all right, here's my six things that I really wish we could have mentioned. Uh, how, however uh, you guys want to do it. I mean, you know, I, you know, how about we go around one more time and then, and then we, yeah. we do something like that. Um, so Haynes, why don't you, Start us off. This is kind of last round. All right. If I'm going to do one more, then, um, well, you know, I, I am the guy who's here for jokes and not emotion. But um, the, you know, this was at the very end of the 2010s, um, but it was something that I think touched a lot of people, obviously. And it was, um, Something that, you know, we'd all been waiting for a long time to see this person come host. And when Adam Sandler did his Chris Farley tribute, I mean, that was just so powerful and so beautiful. And it was funny and it was funny. And Chris Farley was just so funny and seeing all those references to him. And I loved how much, um, how important it was to Sandler to make uh, more than one reference to uh, Chris's father because Chris uh, loved his father so much and he made a few references to him and showed a picture of him. And um, so it's like, that's something that I think is a, marks a really well done tribute. It's not just for the audience, you know, it's almost like, Hey, if you're seeing this Chris from heaven, it's for you too. You know, like it's touching the things that, that Chris would want to talk about if he had to memorialize himself. And I just thought it was very well-rounded and beautiful and obviously something that, um, that hopefully would not go unmentioned when we talk about this decade. My personal favorite episode of this era, like it's a great episode. I don't think it's close. The, the, his, his monologue is fantastic. The Farley thing. I have this written down. Rectix, I think is my fiance's favorite sketch ever. Um, she still will quote it all the time. Um, so there was a great moment of, I, I still remember like tweeting that day, like Sandman's coming home and just, it felt like, because we all, if you're of a certain age, like you, you had Sandler and SNL, but then you grew up with Sandler, like his movies. Were, that was huge. me. And, and it's just like, he was coming home and it ended so bad. And then he was, he, you know, he was at SNL 40 and he'd done some stuff, but he was coming home. And then he gets there and that could have been enough. And then he knocked it out of the park and you start to feel selfish. You're like, that's great. He came home. When's he hosting again? Cause I want to see him again. So my favorite episode of this, of this era. Yeah. I mean, if you ever listen to our roundtables or our predictions or, or you always hear us talking about how we want alumni to come back and the high watermark uh, of the recent era was was definitely him. Eddie, too, of course, but 
something about Sandler uh, being more recent, as Haskell alludes to. You know, th- th- this was my era, listening to his comedy albums, going to see Happy Gilmore. You know, th- these things were so important to, uh, you know, my my young adulthood. And uh, to see him come back after such a terrible, terrible ending, uh, you know, the last season he was on was not that great. And then, of course, he famously got, gets fired. Um, so, yeah, this this episode from top to bottom was fantastic. I had seen him do the show, uh, uh, the song at his show just a couple months before this. And uh, to see him do it again, and to see how emotional he got, he, he he probably had performed it 200 times by that point, but he's still choking up talking about one of his best friends and, and his castmates and uh, what he meant to him. So, yeah, great, great pick and, and definitely something that uh, has to be included. Yeah, Bill, that's a that's a really good point, because yeah, I also not, not the brag, humble brag, also saw him uh, perform this, uh, this song um, at a show and. Uh, you know, I, I'm really glad he was able to bring it to the SNL stage as well. Um, I know we just allude to SNL 40, and that's a whole other show we could, you know, dive into that and how, you know, fun that was. But, you know, seeing him come back as an opera man, to me, I remember that being like just a, a huge moment for me as, a, as an Adam Sandler fan and as someone who knew of his, you know, um, current status with the show and how he had never made any other appearances afterwards. So, that I feel like opened the door, similar to how Eddie Murphy kind of, you know, came onto the SNL 40 and kind of talked and didn't do any comedy, which people were mad about. Um, but then, yeah, he eventually gets to come back um, and host as well. So I'm glad we were able to to bring that up. Um, I think I am going to go this way. So you know, we've kind of alluded to the Trump stuff, and you know, this is the best of the 2010s, right? So we're trying to stay positive. Um, but something I do want to highlight, and I remember this being a huge moment. I think it's still on the SNL YouTube channel. It's probably one of the most watched um, sketches that they have on there in the you know, tens of 20s, 30, 40 million, um, is when Melissa McCarthy played Sean Spicer. Um, you know, this was like, obviously at this point, Alec Baldwin had already played Trump and maybe you know, one or two other celebrities had come in and do a cameo. So it hadn't gotten like super ridiculous yet at this point. But, um, you know, I believe also the sketch wasn't even the cold open. So, you know, when this kind of sketch happens, you're expecting, oh, well, you know, it's a Sean Spicer sketch. Who Who's playing Sean Spicer? And I swear for the first like minute, I wasn't entirely sure because Melissa McCarthy wasn't hosting that episode. It was just a cameo. I think it was a Kristen Stewart hosted episode and you can tell the audience you know applauds but then there's like once she starts talking there's another round of applause they're like oh my god it's it's melissa mccarthy that's that's insane like the the makeup and the performance i mean you can obviously tell it's melissa mccarthy when she starts talking but the the energy she gave to that sketch i mean it's like an eight minute long sketch and i've rewatched it today and you know we always talk about sketches being too long or whatever and i mean it's a prime, that's a prime example of, they just had so much material to mine from that. Um, you know, those first couple press briefings, uh, at the beginning of Trump's, uh, term and, uh, something I especially really enjoyed in that sketch was the, the props she brings out and all the puns she does. Um, you know, my favorite being, uh, you know, radical moose lambs and she has a plush moose <laughs> and a plus lamb and so much fun wordplay there. She takes the podium and like 
it like she lifts it up and it's like super light and starts like ramming it kind of into the off uh, into the the audience when they're asking a question that she doesn't like. Um, you know, I don't know. I, this was this was really big. I remember a lot of people talking about this. Um, you know, people who didn't watch us know and obviously were just pretty clued into everything going on in the political realm at this time. So um, I think this is definitely one that would go um, in the special. Um, does anyone want to chime in on Melissa McCarthy as Sean Spicer? Peak physical I, comedy. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Just every time she is just like a little Chris Farley herself. I wonder if this would have been, uh, it, it was huge at the time. And then I feel like is not as well remembered. And I wonder if that was just, uh, you know, fatigue of SNL of like bringing on, I think this helped play into the idea that was like, okay, we'll bring in a new celebrity to play each one of these like Trump lackeys. And then on top of that, it felt like there was always a new Trump lackey. So like, you know, Spicer was kind of gone, like, yeah. you know, early into the presidency. And, you know, I, he made like, I don't he like made an appearance at the Oscars, the Golden Globes, one of them. And people were like, Oh, gross. Um, and then he kind of has not done much. So like, there's never been a chance to revisit this. And I, I, if you haven't revisited it, revisit it because it like, it is Melissa McCarthy is like an A plus as this character. Yeah. I mean, uh, this, this is the highlight of a a pile of complete trash. Uh, She, she was, if this had ended with her and, you know, JHJ had come onto the show two years earlier and, you know, whatever, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of what ifs that you can do with this. If they had just stopped with her as the recurring uh, or, or, or a special guest cameo, but they had to go to Ben Stiller and De Niro and, you know, the endless tropes of John all Goodman, movies. Steve Martin, Bill Murray, Jim Carrey. I, yeah. I mean, just um, yeah, it, it just it it really sours that era for me where this could have been funny. Uh, a funny way to look at a terrible presidency uh, as other presidencies they've done. Um, they, they couldn't pull it off. They, they had to go for this, the big name and the, the clicks and things like that. Uh, but taking it just as that, uh, I think she did a fantastic job and uh, you know, I think she did it four times, but um, that might've been one too many, but yeah, the first one was phenomenal. Can I point out one thing that, that our friend Casey puts in the chat, he mentions Christine Baranski, wanted to play Betsy DeVos. I think we'd be, we, I don't know if you remember in that area, uh, that era, like every like celebrity was like, I guess I'll go on SNL and play this <laughs> role. Like the same way that I'd be like, oh, I guess I'll go right for SNL. Like if, if I really have to, like that's what became exhausting where it was like some celebrity who has not been in the public eye, very slightly looked like one of these Trump people. And we're like, do I get to be on like this legendary show? I guess I'll have to do it. And we were like, no. Yeah, that I was just about to bring that up. I mean, Rosie O'Donnell as Steve Bannon, I think Zach Braff was uh, petitioning to be like Stephen Miller or something like that. Like it, it was getting ridiculous. I mean, Jimmy Fallon did play Jared Kushner. Like, you know, it, it was, it was a lot. I mean, it was almost different when SNL alumni came. I mean, you know, when Robert De Niro and, Ben Stiller basically did meet the parents, but but as um, you know, Michael Cohen and and Mole, I mean, you know, whatever we we can 
you know, that, that, that is what we'll say on, on that. Um, but uh, all right, we're going to go around one more time. Um, Bill, uh, what do you have next on your list? I'm, I'm going to bookend uh, what I mentioned earlier and uh, talk about the beginning of the great uh, John Mulaney uh, hosting gigs mm. um, and talk about Diner Lobster. Uh, you could either put this or Bodega Bathroom on. I think Bodega's kind of superior, but Diner, uh, Diner Lobster's probably more famous, so they'd probably go with that one. Uh, the first time you see this, it was just so ridiculous and so funny and, and nothing like they had ever done before. And, uh, you know, Pete and Chris playing the customers and uh, Kate and Keenan as the lobsters. Very funny, very long. And now they're kind of in this pigeonhole where they have to do this every time he comes on. Um, but and, and some have been better than others. But I, I believe this this would have to be included and, and maybe right after you show his early weekend update pieces. I I totally agree with everything you just said i had the exact same debate i did settle on bathroom bodega just because it's my personal favorite i enjoy it the most but that was the debate i had um you know maybe it would be diner lobster because that started this you know series which obviously are amazing like you said some are better than others um but yeah so that was one i had on uh, bathroom bodega is one i had on my list and um and I feel I do feel like we have to recognize, yeah, that we really hadn't seen anything like this before. And then it became quite a thing. And so, um, yeah, just definitely a late 2010s highlight. No doubt about it. For sure. Uh, no, that's a great pick. Um, let's uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Downey Lobster, they've done it this sort of iteration so many times. So, you know, there's a reason why they keep bringing it back. Um I still enjoy them. Um, I know a lot of people kind of want them to stop at this point, but I don't know. I'm, I'm soft. Give me, I, I like musicals. What can I say? Uh, Haskell, uh, let's move on to the, the last thing you want to bring up. There's a few characters that I really want to bring up that we have to bring up, but uh, either they'll come up or we'll throw them in our, in our Jeopardy, Jeopardy. I'm reading Jeopardy on Nicole's uh, comment. Um, uh and that's when that will come up. But I, I got to go with one of my favorite recurring sketches kind of in the middle of this current era, um, which is the close encounters. Um, we saw it in a few different, uh, in, in, you know, iterations, but the, the, the one with uh, Ryan Gosling, when he can't keep it together, I love a good break. You know what I mean? Uh, people will probably be more familiar with the Christmas one because it's kind of cemented itself in the uh, Christmas clip show. But it's it's my favorite thing that, um, you know, Kate McKinnon has done. It always breaks the cast, which is great. Um, there's always great wordplay, you know, involving her, uh, you know, her vagina and butthole, uh, just to throw it out there. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's, it's a great sketch. It, and it, it's one of those that kind of delivers every time for me. I, I don't think it we haven't seen it in a while, but I don't think it had run out of steam last time we saw it. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up because we we really haven't spent much time at all talking about Kate McKinnon during tonight's episode, and it is tough because you know there are people who have been on the show who are in the current cast who have been on for so long at this point. I mean, Kate's been on for the majority of this decade that we're talking about. Like she joined the show in 2012, but it is hard for me to you know I I, I almost for this episode was drifting more towards the people who aren't on the show anymore 
because I, I feel so still connected to this area. I mean, there's so many things to talk about. Um, Haynes or Bill, do you have anything to add up on Close Encounters or just Kate McKinnon in, in general? This is probably the time to do so. Nothing to add. Kate, Kate McKinnon's an all-time goat. Uh, yeah, you, we haven't mentioned her nearly enough on this uh, episode. And uh, yeah, I think it, it is probably what you're saying, Sammy, that that she's still part of the cast. We haven't really even mentioned Keenan that much. So I, I think that is kind of leaning towards the people who are no longer there. But obviously, Keenan and Kate, we get quite a bit uh, on this DVD. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, also Nicole mentioning in the the comment, I mean, he'll, he'll, her, you know, playing Hillary throughout the 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 2016 and, and kind of that era of the election and everything like that. I mean, obviously that was big um, when Hillary came on the show and they did um, that sketch together as well. Um, I think she Hillary would, uh, was uh, the bartender or something like that. Um, but yeah, you know, just wanted to give a little spotlight to Kate there. Haynes, um, what's the last thing that you want to kind of really dive into here? Okay, last one that we actually get to talk about a little bit. I, okay, I will use, all right, there's some that I can save because they can be, people will know them with a single word. This does take a little bit more diving into. There was a sketch, and this is just a hard one-timer that just absolutely killed. Um, uh, it was from the Bill Hader hosted episode, and it's called Girlfriend's Game Night. <laughs> where they come over and uh, the girls are supposed to be having a game night and uh, Cecily brings her betrothed um, senior husband who is, um, I, I forget what his name is, but he's in a, he's in one of those push scooter or not push scooters, but electric scooters. Um, and she's brought him over because they need to, they're trying to get pregnant and um, you know, his Cialis kicks in. And so she's telling the girls like, all right, don't mind us. You know, we just need to not waste this moment. <laughs> and, uh, and they realize she's starting to imply that she, she's going to actually try and have sex with Bill Hader while they're having their game night. And, uh, <laughs> and, and somebody's immediately starting to have a problem with that. And she goes, oh, guys, I brought a courtesy blanket. She's like hopping in his lap. Like she's just going to cover with this little blanket. And I think it's 80 who goes, you can't just do that old man here. And um, it just leads to a lot of funny lines and then a tremendous amount of really, really genuine breaking where they're trying really, really hard not to break. But you can tell people are just losing it. And Bill, I I'm guessing that this was, I do not know if it was improvised or not. It felt like it was in the moment, the way that he keeps really crashing his scooter like too far into things like maybe he's supposed to do it a little bit but like pushing the table really really far and and um and and you can see you know people trying to grab the drinks and, and stop stuff from spilling and it, it seems it almost seems improvised maybe it wasn't but that that to me is just one of those sketches that you know stands on its own it's not it's not a recurring thing it's not part of some um you know, larger series. There's no emotion involved. This isn't a musical thing. This is just a classic SNL one-time sketch that it's just every time you watch it, you will die laughing. Um, so that's why I brought it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we just couldn't escape Bill Hader even towards the end of the decade here. 
Um, do you guys have anything to add um, on girlfriend's game night? He said no. everything. Yeah, no, he, he did. Haynes, you know, yeah, you say a lot, but you, you cover it well, so I can't complain. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that is, that is it. I, I think I'll just start off with a couple of things that I want to um, highlight or just kind of really rapid firely shout out. Um, you know, again, uh, we only have a certain lot of time here, um, you know, so anything that we missed, please let us know on social media or in the comments something that you you know think would need to be included in this best of 2010 special but really quickly a couple things you know what up with that you know even though it it started at the end of 2009 and made a majority of its its appearances uh you know at the first half of the decade obviously a great keenan showcase um and kind of foreshadows his eventual you know stewardship as uh as you know the the, the longest running cast member on the show um, I remember the Martin Short Christmas episode being great. Um, also, just Zach Galifianakis is an iconic host. You know, his episodes in the early 2010s. He's only hosted three times. He hasn't hosted um, since, I think, like 2012 or 2013 or something like that. Those episodes are always great. Um, you know, Kyle and Beck's fake sitcom recurring sketches were always amazing. Um, Totino's uh, Vanessa Bayer. Um, I love Vanessa Bayer. I, you know, you know, what, what more can I say about her? Uh, I'm going to stop there. I have a couple more things, but I, I hope I didn't take, um, you know, some of your guys' stuff. Bill, got anything else to add? Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as recurring sketches, I mean, you, you have uh, obviously Black Jeopardy, uh, with most famous one of which uh, Tom Hanks is a, a MAGA uh, guy on the panel with them, and uh, they did that a bunch of times. Um, Californians, uh, the porn stars, uh, I love all the ads. They did a great job with the ads at this point. Uh, you know, they had the almost pizza ad with Kristen and Bill, uh, where they're, you know, it's not really pizza and you can't technically call it that. Um, uh, the grouch, uh, pre-tape with, uh, you know, based on, on the Joker, uh, movie. So good. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things I like, and, and, and this is another reason I love seeing alumni come back is seeing the cross section of, of a bunch of different people. And they did uh, an ad with uh, when Will Ferrell came back uh, for Bertucci's pizza. And it was him and um, Kate and Heidi and Kyle. And it was just this great cross section of, you know, 25 years worth of SNL cast, you know, Heidi in her first or second year. And, you, you know, Kate's been there a while and Will the, the veteran. And it was really, really funny. And then they can't get this commercial right. And, uh, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I look for and uh, something that might be able to be put on. All right. I'm going to rapid fire. I got a few, I got a few uh, misses, uh, Michael Bryan, uh, Tim Robinson, Paul Britton, like something's got to be said about those guys who should have been given more time. Uh, Kevin Roberts, Larry David. We didn't even talk really about Larry David, Matt, the radar technician, right? We didn't talk about Adam driver who, who was great. Of course, probably on the cover of the DVD is David Pumpkins. Uh, Casey Affleck's Dunkin' Donuts sketch, of course, from Boston. Uh, oh, man, I'm all out of cash. I love the Matt Damon monologue when he talks about his parents letting him stay up to watch SNL. really resonates with me. And Harry Styles was phenomenal. His Sarah Lee sketch and the, the, the song about Doug the dog, I still sing that like once a week. Really good picks there. And Haynes, bring us home. 
Yeah, I also can't believe we didn't mention David S. Pumpkins. Um, the Californians was definitely one I had on my list, but I ones that were just really great. Um, What's that name was done twice with once with Paul Rudd and Vanessa Bayer, another time with uh, Mulaney and Cecily. Uh, that was just an absolute killer sketch, as well as I think Ellis mentioned earlier something I had a real at the top of my list. Um, Meet your second wife with Amy and Tina. That was amazing. I also have three. Um, oh no, one more one more sketch uh, that was a callback to the 1980s, of course. And this was when Eddie Murphy hosted um, with Lizzo as the guest in 2019. We got the return of Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. So I feel like that was just such a fun thing that um, it might get referenced. And then uh, two musical things. One, Tina and Amy uh, singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town with Bruce Springsteen was just really special. And also... Again, from the Chappelle episode, I loved the tribute to Fife Dog with uh, A Tribe Called Quest. That was awesome. So those are just some of the things that I wish we had time to get to. Yeah, and we really didn't even get into uh, so many great musical guests over the years um, during this era as well. Um, just so much to talk about. Um, but you know, I think we did a pretty good job given the allotted time. Um, so yeah, you, you guys at home, tell us how we did. What is there? Um, that you would want to add to this um, best of the 2010s collection. I mean, I don't know. We we, we could have done a, a two or three part sort of episode tonight. So maybe in the future we can revisit this, um, get a little bit more in depth to some of those later years. But uh, I think we did a great job, guys. Thank you so much for joining me on the panel. I'm going to let you guys um, plug uh, anything you'd like. Bill, um, let's start with you. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's always a, a pleasure. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at BKLove73. Haskell, uh, thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure on Twitter, Andrew E. Haskell. For sure. And Haynes. Always catch me on Twitter at uh, SNL Has a Cast and Instagram at Kandrew Attitude. Uh, Nicole is dying that we didn't translate her emojis into English. I only understand one of those emojis and I don't want to talk about penises. So, <laughs> so I think we got to wrap this uh, up. Cl classy, classy way to end the, the show. And uh, really quickly, uh, you know, uh, if you have not gotten the chance to check out our coverage of the Lizzo episode from last week, we have a hot take, a round table and a Patreon uh, feedback show that you guys can catch up on. Um, and also you can join our Patreon. You know, there's a ton of perks uh, at the SNL Network's Patreon. Uh, you can be a guest on the Patreon Feedback Show, um, you know, join our Facebook group for exclusive news, and even have the chance to participate in uh, you know, some SNL stories, interviews with some alumni. Uh, next week, John will be back in the hosting chair for our By the Numbers show, and he tells me that there's going to be a special guest interview. So uh, keep, uh, keep out on the lookout for that. Uh, and please follow us on social media at, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at the SNL Network. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends to subscribe on YouTube uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For myself, uh, I've been Sammy K. You can follow me at that Sammy K um, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And also, please check out the last Superfan Takeover. We did the catchphrase bracket for March Madness. That episode was a lot of fun. Uh, all right, I think that's it. For Bill, the Andrews, and myself, we'll see you next time on the SNL Network. Mm -hmm.